Talk about guest stars. This issue's got them. And the captain's going to need all the help he can get from D-Man, Falcon, and Nomad because he's facing Mr. Hyde, Titania, Vibro, the Griffin, Armadillo, and the captain's friend, Iron Man. I'm Eddie Webb. But you forgot about the most important character in this whole whole issue, Vagabond. And I'm Chris Bybee. And today we're going to talk about this amazing cast of well-known characters in Captain America number 340 here on <clears throat> Speechless. Uh, welcome up to episode five of our Armor Wars read-through. And this is uh, kind of an interesting digression from the plot. It's one of those issues that nominally ties in, but it's really better as kind of a capsule of what the heck was going on with Captain America in the 80s, honestly. <laughs> this is the whole reason I am here. I've, I was waiting for this to get here. It's like, Tony Stark's okay. I'll, I'll like deal with some of the Starkiness. But we hit the cap run and with Cap's amazing kooky sidekicks and getting like just a glimpse of what that was like, which I remember bits and pieces, which mm -hmm. is why I had to give a shout out for Vagabond, who is uh, I can't say not important, but equivalently a, a little flashback, <clears throat> which you may you may have already planned to do. But that's after the cap episode. I felt like I'm going to step on. No, by all means, that's all I hear talk about. <clears throat> Uh, Nomad, or at least this iteration, the Jack Monroe version is, geez, uh, worked with William Burnside, who was someone from the fifties who had surgery to look like Captain America and then invented his own super soldier serum. And Jack and him became Captain America of like the fifties or sixties running around beating in people's heads. And their formula supposedly made them a little schizophrenic with their superpowers until the government had to step in because they started attacking marginalized people because they viewed them as like the enemies and everything else. Mm -hmm. Government stepped in and put them in cryogenic sleep. Right. Like, and they like, were, you do? well, because the government had that technology like in the sixties. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they got stowed away for a while until this janitor going through somewhere was like, Hey, it's Captain America and Bucky. I should let them out and let them out. And then you have like shenanigans of Steve, Sharon, and Sam having to, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> um, having to to stop them, and you have like this constant thing where Bucky slash Nomad slash Jack is sort of a horrible character that transitions to be an okay character, but never completely. Right, And he takes up one of Cap's old personas as Nomad, and he kind of works with Cap, but he still has some of that weird vigilante feel from the fake Cap. Mm -hmm. And he had superpowers for while as Bucky, but I think he's lost his superpowers at this point. Mm -hmm. And he picks up Vagabond hitchhiking on the side of the road <laughs> side, in Kentucky. Hey, hitchhiking. Hey, my brother is involved in some drug plot in Florida. Can you help me? So he like jumps in, he goes down to Florida, finds out her brother doesn't want to leave. They inject him with drugs because it's the 80s. And they like <laughs> kick him overboard. Vagabond. I'm going to tell the whole story now. Uh, Vagabond runs to Cap. Cap goes down and they and Nomad and Cap fight the drug dealers and they win. But Nomad blows up the ship. And eventually, months later, Nomad and Vagabond, who, who's now now a superhero. Right. She was a human. Right. Oh, no. No, she has no superpowers, oh, okay. no training, no nothing. They show up at D-Man's 
who is like got his powers from power broker and a wrestler like a and everything broker, else. Right? He's a professional and, wrestler. And go, hey, we're superheroes and lovers now. Like that that is their story. That is right. Vagabond, who wants to be a superhero, but no one's trading her. She has no superpowers. Her brother, I think, was killed in that fire boat explosion in Florida dealing with drugs. Mm-hmm. And that is a core component of Cap's team with Sam and D-Man. Would you like to talk about D-Man? I think you know a little oh, bit do. about I D-Man. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I do. But one thing I want to say before we get into that is um, uh, this is when uh, uh, Mark Greenwald and Kieran Dwyer were doing uh, the book primarily. And uh, I had, until about a couple of years ago, I had no experience with, with Mark Greenwald run at all. And I did not realize how much of modern MCU Captain America really comes from the Grunewald run, even though I mean, the stuff you said doesn't, but I mean, there's a lot of the core here. Um, and so like, and he had a nice long run, it was like 60, 70 issues. I mean, it was a pretty yeah. long run on the book. Uh, so I, I did recently, um, not recently, like, again, years ago, binge through like that entire run. And the stuff you said is like the tip of the iceberg in terms of the, the wonky stuff that happens. Like past what we're going to talk about today, Cap becomes a werewolf and actually gives like a rallying cry to his fellow werewolves <laughs> in growls and grunts. So he's like sitting there with the shield, pointing to the sky, going, rah, 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 rah. and everyone's going, yeah, it's, it's, it's bonkers. And unfortunately, the Cap wolf thing becomes a staple for Captain America because when Sam becomes Captain America, they have a bit where Sam becomes a werewolf. <laughs> Sam Cap Wolf. And then, yeah, D-Man. Talk about D-Man because, again, D-Man is another example of, like, D-list characters that have a surprisingly interesting run in this book. I'm going to leave D-Man for you because, for okay. me, he's more of, like, a a Wolverine ripoff just because of his his uniform. So, uh, uh, D-Man is a professional wrestler. Uh, and... Um, he is part of uh, the Unlimited Wrestling Federation, I believe it's called, which is basically just pro wrestling with superpowers. Um, uh, it, it got a lot of prominence in the Things solo book, uh, which was right around the uh, Secret Wars one. Uh, the Things like, well, I'm, I'm, I can't be a superhero anymore. What am I going to do? I'll become a wrestler because that's exactly the kind of thing that Ben Grimm would do. Uh, so Ben Grimm meets D-Man initially and D-Man's like, I can't compete. I'm just a guy. Uh, so um, he gets powers from the power broker. Um, which again is is not somewhat reminiscent of, of what happened in like the, D, the Disney Plus series in terms of what the power broker is and what they do. Um, and then he literally just finds like discarded costumes from uh, it's like uh, Daredevil's old yellow costume and bits of Wolverine's costume, just finds them, and so it's like I'm a superhero now, and it's absolutely played for 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 laughs for gags. And but what's interesting is around this run in Grunwald, D-Man recognizes he is the butt of the joke, and realizes he has two paths forward, which is lean into it and just kind of become a joke guy who wrestles occasionally, or try to do something with his life. Um, and on top of that, he's not a bright guy. Um, he, he's definitely a guy who's been hit around the head a little too much. Um, and although there's no language for it in the '80s, definitely implied that there's probably some brain trauma actually that happens in his career, which is sadly not uncommon for pro wrestlers, particularly in the eighties. Um, and, and then, and then there's, again, there's a whole subplot of 
the power broker being used as an allegory for steroids before steroids were actually even outed in professional wrestling. And it was just kind of rumored to be a thing. And that's a whole separate issue. Um, it also ties into Sergeant Slaughter and how he got in the G.I. Joe comic book, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, uh, so, but um, Demian Ent at this point is a great counterpoint to, to Nomad because Nomad is the guy who was a hero and squandered his opportunity. And D-Man is the one who wants to be a hero and doesn't understand why Nomad doesn't appreciate what he has more. Um, and so they're really good foils for each other, even though D-Man comes across as kind of a, a beatless character, and particularly in this episode. And this, this, this issue is actually a pretty example of D-Man's role, which is that he tries. <laughs> Bless his which, D-Man also, I guess to touch on some of his other history, ends up living in the sewer for like a few years. Oh, wow. It's homeless and everything else. And they briefly touch on some of those issues, but it's comics. So they don't really go into it mm -hmm. until eventually he sort of like makes a, a comeback equivalent. He works with Sam and he becomes part of Sam's team of people. And he becomes like the tech vehicle person on that team. Oh, cool. And I think though, this is like more fuzzy now. Is it eventually he loses his superpowers and gets turned into a vampire a la Jubilee style? <clears throat> Marvel. <laughs> because comics. Because comics. Yeah, and we're cutting out a lot of stuff here. Um, and, and honestly, part of the reason we're talking about stuff is because the actual issue, there, there's not much to say, frankly. Like the first... I love this entire issue, though. I love no, no, it. It's great. No, get me wrong. It's great. It's just that, it, 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 well, let's dig into it. Because, like, the, honestly, the first three issues are first three pages are really just recapping the Iron Man comic, which we've already recapped. So um, before before we move on, though, I would want to point out that, like, looking at the cover from this angle compared to the other one, it gives me reminiscent, uh, like, vibes of watching Frankenstein. Because okay. Iron Man has more of a, a sort of a horror-esque look to him from this angle and Cap sort of shouting out in pain. So it has like tinges of that horror that um, Marvel used to do. That is one thing that is interesting because um, uh, I've talked about this in previous uh, speechless, but to kind of recap in case you jump right to this. Um, we're in an era of comics where uh, it was assumed that you couldn't get every single issue in a row. Uh, and so there's always going to be a page of recapping. Stanley infamously said that uh, each issue is someone's first. And so you have to give enough context for it. When you're doing a crossover like this, you have to on top of it assume that people who are reading Captain America aren't reading Iron Man. So there's a heavier than normal recap. But what's interesting, you're absolutely right in these kinds of moments, is that another writer and artist team get to put their spin on those moments. And sometimes it's just kind of, okay, we just recapped it. Sometimes it's just... It, it, it genuinely jars. It introduces problems because the recap doesn't quite sync up. This is, you're absolutely right. This is the moment where you're seeing bits and pieces like um, uh, uh, when, when Tony's reaching over uh, Steve in the Iron Man comic, it was a close up on Steve's eyes and we could see a little bit of Iron Man's helmet reflection in the mask and in his eyeball. This we have the reverse when we see uh, Steve's face reflected in Iron Man's faceplate. Uh, so you had that moment, but you're right. Like um, uh, uh, Iron Man, the very first splash page, the front is towering over Steve Rogers when he's absent. And, and the fact that they start with that, because actually the, the recap does not go chronologically. It starts with that moment, finishes out that scene, and then goes back and recaps the earlier part of that issue that is recapping. Uh, which 
I do, I do. I, I mean, I don't want to go too much into it, but one thing you bring up that is a good point is while it faithfully recaps what happens by putting things in this order, it makes Tony even more of an antagonist because we're looking at it from Steve's perspective. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is, it is a subtle moment. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, it is two and a half pages of, of stuff we've already talked about. Uh, but that, that was a good point. Uh, um, uh, we are, this is 84-ish. Um, so it's been about 10 years since Marvel did their their heavy push into horror. They did uh, um, Tomb of Dracula. They did Werewolf by Night. Um, and there were some Blade. pretty good horror comics, honestly. I give a shout out to Blade specifically because at time of recording, that movie is in shenanigans and is a mess. Yeah, it is in, in, in production hell. Uh, okay, so... Um, uh, Captain America zapped. Uh, so we, we pick back up where um, he wakes up again and uh, Tony has already left. Uh, the guard that he went to save, uh, the guardsman that uh, Cap went to save. Let me keep calling him Cap. I mean, I, I know he's a captain, but he's Cap. I'm um, saying, so yeah, go get him. Uh, and Steve remarks on one thing that we touched on briefly in the last issue, which is that the security in this Super hardcore prison is a mess. The power is out. It's a lot more than just a simple power failure. Um, and the guardsmen are all neutralized. So things are bad. Uh, but also the captain recognizes that I am actually hunted by the law. So <laughs> I should probably maybe get going. Uh, so um, even though there are people escaping and he actually bounds over one of them, he also has to leave. He can't stay here and mop up because he's also a criminal. Uh, so he tries to get down a mountain. Uh, again, this is classic Steve Rogers. Fast way down a mountain. I'm just going to climb down a mountain because that's the, that's the best way to do this. He is, in fact, the man in black. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's hardcore. For, for um, people who don't know that one, that's a, a shout out to the Princess Bride where Wesley climbs up mm-hmm. the mountain. Which is perfect. Um, and he's like, you know, uh, you know and the old time he's basically like, you know, Tony, God damn it. Or sorry, you know, basically thinking to himself. Um, and uh, then Falcon comes by and swings by and picks him up. But there's a great moment because, again, Steve has a new shield, which is just completely polished. And the Grim Reactor, you can see the Falcon in the reflection of his shield strapped to his back, which is a great little artistic touch. Uh, so, um, uh, Falcon's like, so hey, what's this about a breakout at a federal prison? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so it's like, okay, we're gonna. Um, the cap's like, we need to get the team together. We need to deal with this. Uh, and so they uh, recap with the van they've been touring around in. And if I remember correctly, now at this stage, this is Captain Status Quo because he's on the run. He actually literally just drives around America in his van, right? Yeah. Think about that. There's what five of them, plus yes. plus Red Wing, in the van, cruising around the country. It it feels somewhat like a late '60s to '70s vibe to it. And if you go back and watch the old Captain America mu- movie with oh, what's his name? Oh, I forgot it. But like with his little plastic flimsy shield, it's mm. him on the beaches in California, riding around a motorcycle, hanging out on the beach, drawing oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That's right. I remember that. Um, and also, again, peak 80s, uh, he gets his information from a phone line where people call in tips for him, uh, which he funded by winning a lottery ticket <laughs> a year ago in comics time. He won a million dollars and used it to fund this, this, this emergency helpline we can call to leave messages for Captain America. So funny enough, when Sam becomes Cap, they use that, they sort of use that exact same thing, except people, I think they have still have a phone line, but they also send like emails to Sam for help. So it's the way they're paralleling off. This is astonishing that I didn't take into account when I first read, I think the Sam run in 2015 Mm -hmm. is a little disturbing, but I I guess if you own it, you can rip off yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 there's a line between homage and theft <laughs> but yeah self-plagiarism is definitely a thing uh but one thing that's interesting about this is again i talked before about the the playoff and there's an interesting team dynamic happening here uh so we have um uh sam is kind of the established partner right it, it's the i've worked with cap for in comic in, in real world time it's been like over a decade worth of comics i mean so it's a point where captain america vulcan was actually the title of the comic for a good long run um, so Falk is absolutely kind of the, I'm the established bad, you know, we, we know each other really well and we've worked together. Um, Nomads is the person who wants to be that, but again, is held back by his own biases and personality problems. He is dating Vagabond um, and, and in common toxic masculinity from, from the oh, 50s yeah. is Caesar is possession and is actually treating her as like, you're my girlfriend. She wants to contribute more to the team and, and hates feeling powerless with all of these powered characters. And so she's learning uh, self-defense and actually just combat moves from D-Man, who is not at all getting the subtext here. <laughs> um, and so D-Man's like, sure, I'll help you learn some wrestling moves, um, which makes Nomad jealous. And D-Man already thinks that Nomad is kind of an ingrate for giving a chance to work with Captain America and had been a hero and kind of squandering it. Um, so there's an interesting dynamic of it's not really a love triangle, which would be boring. It's more um, a, a, tr- a triangle of uh, of respect, um, where Vagabond respects D-Man, uh, Nomad respects Cap, D-Man doesn't respect Cap. You know, I mean, so like each person respects and dislikes someone else on that team. Uh, and it's it, and because there's five of them, and again they're trapped in a van, so tensions rise. Uh, so there's actually some really interesting dynamic tensions that we only see really on this one page around the van, um, because the rest of it's going to be a whole lot of fighting. Um, but it, it, it was again when I, when I first read it, it was like this is so strange. But then when I started getting into it, it's like there, there, it, it, the character drama really drug me along. Yeah. Um, well, also I think the other part of it is for. Tony, Tony can do a lot of stuff that deals with science and going to cocktail parties and everything else, but that is not who Steve is. So that's not the adventures in like the background stories that Steve has. Steve's deals more with people on personal levels. And like, this is a great personal story. And it also in one page encapsulates the entire emotional run that's been going for who knows how many issues and will continue on. Mm -hmm. Like that is amazing storytelling. Right. And again, um, D-Man's He's not naive, but he definitely tra- wants to see the best in people. And so at the end of this, he's like, you know, it must be great to have friends that can whip up these things for you. We need them. And of course, Steve's like, yeah, friends. Um, because 
Steve doesn't want to diminish D-Man's enthusiasm. He wants him to try to, to be a good person, but also Steve's at, at his own personal kind of low point in terms of all, you know, his, his government turned on him, one of his friends turned on him. Um, and it is interesting to read this in the context, like you said, of, of Iron Man, because the one thing that this 80s styles of writing really does is that this, this page also is a real subtle recap of the status quo of Captain America mag. So if you're doing it like we are, where it's like we're coming in from Iron Man into this, it's like, okay, here's what's going on in this thing. And the, of course the idea is, I like these characters, I'll keep reading it. You know, that, that's what the point of this is. Um, but it does bring an interesting compare and contrast uh, because what's effectively happened here is Tony's trying to take down all these armored characters. He does so and then leaves. And it's consistently done this throughout Iron Man Wars where it's like he just doesn't deal with the consequences of his actions, even though they keep coming back to him, like the Siltman thing. Now, a one-page <laughs> gag has turned into a running lawsuit actual problem for him. Um, and now it's like this this, this, out, this, this breakout of things, and Cap is the one who has to deal with it. And it's, he doesn't have millions of dollars of toys. He has five dudes in a van, and he has to try to help solve this problem. I love it because it highlights class privilege in and of itself without having mm -hmm. to say it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, um, we, we, you know, we, we, we now see, uh, the guards, uh, talk, talk about how there's not only is there blackout, but no one's around. Um, and so it's like, maybe we should kind of actually fall back and not walk around the dark area. That's unsecure. Of course, they're too late. And they're attacked by Mr. Hyde, who then frees Titania. Um, so Mr. Hyde. Pretty much what you think he is. He is a Jekyll and Hyde's analog because Marvel doesn't already have a green Jekyll and Hyde analog, apparently. But the Hulk is an anti-hero. Hyde is a villain. And is in love with making puns on his own name, apparently. Because well, point come on. Thing, hide and seek. Hide he's, but and seek. He's, he's literally hiding. <laughs> and they're seeking him. Come on. That that writes itself. Well, and the best part about it is it's a pun that only works in the written page. <laughs> because if you're saying it, you have no idea what's going on, but it's spelled H-Y-D-E, so you could only know this pun if you were either Mr. Hyde or reading it. So therefore, he's doing it purely to amuse himself, which I do respect. Now It's like, no one finds this funny, but I do. <laughs> I want to take a minute to point out the body count that Tony Stark is racking up. Because mm -hmm. Hyde... If, if memory serves, before they changed how Marvel does all their stuff, even on the wikis and everything else, could lift about 50 tons. So that's yeah. 50 tons of force he just whacked four human guards' heads with. He even He's a says, villain. the little men's skulls crack open like rotten melons, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's a, an established four that you see on panel that's none of this. Well, the elevator fell on him, so I'm assuming he's okay. Or... I, I didn't kill the shield agents to put them in, just put them in an awkward situation where they can't breathe in their suits. They don't have any oxygen. Like this is pointing out the obvious death that Tony Stark is causing. Right. Um, and uh, we also meet uh, Titania, which, so her, her character ultimately is, um, she was one of the people that was trapped on secret world, secret wars world that was created by the beyonder. Um, and kind of got, swept up into things, ended up getting superpowers as a result of that and decided that she liked to be a villain. That's really her story. 
Um, she got her. She and Volcana, Volcana got their super superpowers from the Pinnacle bad guy in the Marvel universe. Doom, yeah, Doctor Doom, Doom yes. used strange alien technology to give them superpowers. Right, and in classic Doom prospect, immediately forgot about them when they stopped being useful to him, which is amazing. Yep. I love Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom, so I good. think was like two panels later. Right. <laughs> oh man, I could do an entire podcast on just how amazing Doctor Doom is as a villain. Um, but uh, what's interesting is Hyde. Hyde establishes himself as as a misogynist and it's interesting because the story does not play it. It's a very, it's a very careful line that Grunwald's had here. Cause like Hyde says, you're taking the absorbing man's woman. So immediately it's like identifying her by her relationship to a man. Um, and then immediately calls her female, which aged really well. <laughs> yes, you absolutely are an MRA. <laughs> female. Uh, but, and she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Give me the fucking keys. Basically <laughs> the whole conversation. She's like, shut up. Give me the keys. Um, uh, which is great. And then um, uh, uh, Armadillo sticks up behind. Uh, and I get to Armadillo in a second um, because that's another Grunewald level cap character. Um, but he's like sneaking up behind and she just clocks him. And he's like, uh, So, I mean, Titania is really presented well in this story. Um, she's not a man hater. Uh, she's not. Uh, um, you know, that kind of shrill feminist that is pretty common for 80s uh, media. She's just like, I, I would just like to go. You are you are being an irritating man and you're in my way. And it's like, you know what? I, I could feel that. So she was became like a primary antagonist for She-Hulk for decades mm-hmm. until the point where the two of them almost have like their own wrestling club where they would just, because both of them want to unleash full power and they can only do it to each other. Mm-hmm. Which Titania's story, if people haven't seen it, is horribly written for a while and it has like peaks of excellence but she is almost an anti-hero now yeah so she's gone through like that long journey to get to that point right um and i think part of the reason why that works really well is that she started off she never really kind of wanted this and then she's like actually i kind of like this um and then what do i do with my life now so i mean it, mm-hmm. it, it she keep making decisions that again sometimes horribly written but they all follow from each other which is a pretty rare arc for especially a woman character um, but then Armadillo, uh, who's very much also wants to be like, hey, you guys are leaving, please take me with you, kind of dynamic. Um, he is a guy who's trapped in an armadillo suit. Um, he's married to a woman named Bonita, who is using him for his money. Uh, and basically, he was sent away into prison. And when he came back to meet her, to, to, to reconcile with her, she basically set things up so that he could be captured again. And he's not realized that she is manipulating him. She's you know, seeing another guy. Uh, so she is the reason why he's in prison again, but he as a character does not realize that. So it's actually kind of an interesting, uh, using air quotes, but uh, there, there's a surprising armadillo th- character thread through this run of Captain America where he just kind of keeps coming back and they keep progressing the story. It's like the armadillo of all characters is getting this, this character arc, but okay. Um, but it also, on the flip side, is very much the henpecked husband archetype, which I hate. Yeah. So it's 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 surprising character growth, but it's all but it's a whole collection of tropes that I hate. So it's like, <laughs> but to stick with my running, mo- sorry, my running motif of super strength, mm-hmm. armadillo of memory serves can lift about twenty five tons. There, there, you folks go. That's my youth right there. 
well, read a lot of Marvel the, universes. There, there are lots of things. Like, this is actually what's kind of interesting about the storyline is that it's a lot of strength based characters in different weight classes uh, uh, confronting each other. And it, it, there's the call out later, which I'll point to. Um, we also have uh, Griffin, who I've never heard of before, and Vibro, who I've never heard of before this issue. But one's a lion dude, and one's a guy who vibrates things <laughs> with cool 80s glasses. That's that's all I know about them. I can't know them all. Um, so uh, they decide that um, the, the team of, of heroes decide they're going to go back and uh, go after you know to, to recapture all the villains. Uh, and I had forgotten this part, uh, but Cap has a motorcycle. Classic has a motorcycle. Uh, Nomad also has a motorcycle because he had a motorcycle as Bucky. D-Man got a motorcycle at some point in time. So not only are they driving around in a van with five people in it, but it also has three bikes in the back. It is so awesome. <laughs> On every level, that is awesome. Like that is that is a late 70s dream right there. Nothing but the open road, your buddies, and a bike. Yes. Yes. It, it's it's very much kind of the American vigilante road trip, you know? And it's 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 amazing. It's like, it doesn't make sense, but it's comics. Uh so um the Griffin flies, apparently. Um, and Sam and the Griffin fight. Uh, Griffin says Rarg and Grarg. So that that's his contribution to the storyline. Can um, I give the MCU and I guess the Marvel Ultimate Universe one one big shout out and kudos? Sure. Is that their version of Sam's look is awesome compared to what I as a reader have had to endure for decades. I'm I'm not a fan of his costume at all. And the the revamp I really like. You don't so, like the uh the 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 Shirt cut down to the navel, red and white look with red wings. No. no, yeah, it's it was it was the seventies. Only it's the eighties now, and he's still wearing the seventies. <laughs> um, uh, Vibro can use viral powers to cut holes in the rock to climb up the mountain. Sure, okay. Um, then uh, meanwhile, back at the actual breakout, um. Hyde and Titania are throwing people and trucks around. Um, it looks like she throws a truck with one guy in it on top of three more guys. So that's three, probably four more deaths. I think we can safely say. Yeah. Um, Hyde also just choke slams a guy onto the concrete with a wonk. So <laughs> he's probably at least hospitalized. Uh, but they, they capture a truck. They drive off in the truck, leaving the armadillo behind. So <laughs> wait up for me. <laughs> we just take off. Um, and again, uh, Armadillo's like, I don't want to hurt you. Don't, don't stay out of my way. And they're like shooting him, like stuff bouncing off. Um, and so he climbs down. And again, he's obsessed with why I'm coming for you, Bonita. Um, so it's like it's it's just it's kind of a sad. And the character's supposed to be kind of just a sad, pathetic band, but it's. Uh, um, so the three heroes on motorbikes are going down a, a widening road. The truck comes the other before, way. Before the truck. Right. Look at that top panel. Nearby. Three heroes just cruising on their bikes. Like the ah. You telling me you don't want a mural of that a mural of that up in your house. The other thing that's cool, um, now that you I just noticed it as you mentioned it, um, because I zoomed in, they're not the exact same bike. 
they're actually dry, mm-hmm. riding three different makes of bike, which is an interesting, cool touch. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, it, it genuinely is a neat looking picture. Um, that's so, uh, the truck comes, uh, D-Man swerves onto the mountainside of the road. Nomad goes through the guardrail over the side and Captain America runs directly into the truck and jumps onto the hood. Uh, so we, the, the three heroes kind of separate out. And so Cap is tangled up with Titania and Hyde initially. Uh, Titania is like, hey, you're fighting Cap. Let me take the wheel. Rips the wheel off, which is a great <laughs> little bit of, I don't know my own strength. And then just says, later, and jumps out of the truck. <laughs> it's like, I can't control the truck. No, I can't. Well, bye, Hyde. And just goes, which I love. It's just like, I'm out. <laughs> and again, she doesn't know her own strength enough that she actually jumps through the door and almost to the edge. Uh, so D-Man manages to recover and, uh, you know, so Titania um, is pulling up as, as D-Man comes around. She, the steering wheel is still in her hand. She throws the steering wheel, which obliterates the bike to the point where D-Man thinks it might be a bomb. <laughs> Um, and he's like, hey, I don't want to hurt you, but I can bench press 15 tons. And she's like, yeah, well, I can bench press 85 and just throws him off the, the mountain. <laughs> and it's funny, like before you made the Marvel Universe references, I, I as I was reading it in my head, I made it if someone's read the Marvel handbook. Because I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's such a specific, I, I have left 85 tons and it's just like, Okay, I mean, when they, when in prison, did you sit down and say, okay, I need to actually measure my weightlifting capability. <laughs> How do I do that? The bench, I, I'm not even the, the bench is not going to help me out. Where do I lift, and how do I measure that? <laughs> do you forget who get, who gave her superpowers? Are you Dr. telling me Doom would not have specific ramifications of how much she could lift, how physically tough she was, and everything else, like, printed out, and, and has, like, a plan to make them better, or to use them to the maximum effect? Doom is like, I'm going to give you super strength, but only 85 tons, because if it's beyond that, I cannot control you. But at 85 tons, I can completely control you. Oops, I've lost control of you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> that It's Doom. Doom. Um, uh, so before we move on though, I do want to mm-hmm. point out the great part about reading through this again is that you see that how you were saying D-Man wants to do more and be a hero, but then he also yeah. points out that I have no idea who these villains are. I don't know what tricks they have, what powers they have. Mm-hmm. I don't even oh, know who's yeah. super powered. Like that was an excellent touch to then have like the encounter here and then him bringing in like some of the naivety saying, Hey, don't make me hurt you. Cause I'm obviously stronger than you are and making assumptions by looking at someone. Right. Although again, it, it, it's it's a small bit, but like um, he does call her ma'am, but he doesn't assume she's weaker than him because she's a woman. He's very clear on that point. It's like you're a convict. I need I need to capture you. I don't want to hurt you. I I have this kind of strength. He's just telling her stuff. It's like not the fact that you're a woman. It's just the fact you're a convict. And I'm trying to be respectful. He's trying to de-escalate, ma'am. Please calm down. You know, right? Um, and she would prefer to be escalated. So <laughs> she's just through it. It's like, we're done. Um, but again, also, Titania is done with men's shit, so I can kind of buy that. <laughs> uh, so then we go to the uh, Nomad Vibro fight. And 
the main points is that basically no vibros using his vibration and stuff to again cut handholds to climb up. Nomad's climbing down. Uh, Nomad has these discs on his lapels that he can throw like ninja stars, I guess. That's kind of his thing. His tiny, and, and, they, and they look for the world like toy shield, Captain America shield, just like pew, pew. I mean, I, it is I, Cap's old identity, so of course they have to look like shields. I, I've never read any of the Steve Rogers as Nomad stuff, but I don't think it, it looks was ridiculous. <laughs> it was. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so uh, Vibro uses vibrations. Um, this is a night touch, actually. He's like, shoots vibrations on the side of a rock, and then the rocks come down and hit him because that's how gravity works. And again, it's the, you know, your first instinct is, I'll shoot you with beams. Oh, crap, the beams back down. I mean, some of the neat little bit of like placement um, using environmental storytelling to a degree. Uh, but um, so Vibro falls to his death, basically, as far as we can tell. And Nomad is happy about this. And he's like, yes, I succeeded. Cap can be kind of a wimp, but he'll have to respect me because I defeated this guy. And again, this guy is just not getting how Steve Rogers works. <laughs> but it was a one-panel way of telling you a whole lot about Jack. But his Captain America would have loved it. Right. Absolutely. He grew up that way. He was, he was trained to fight that way. Um, so D-Man's falling. He's been thrown. Uh, and... Again, then uh, this great kind of because D-Man is definitely like you mentioned before he's in over his head he's not a career superhero and so uh, Falcon saves him and you know Sam's doing his like you know hang loose buddy you know and he kind of just casually he does this all the time because he does this all the time <laughs> and all D-Man's like I'm gonna die 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 um, and so they swing by Griffin D-Man punches Griffin and Sam's just like, you know, great job. It really happens. You know, sets him down. It's like, you know, hey, see you go, blah, blah. And the whole time, D-Man's just like, uh, 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 thanks. <laughs> and then goes, oh, my God, I'm not going to die. I mean, so, like, Sam is treating D-Man like a colleague and is doing the superhero thing of, like, we're going to banter and we're going to talk and trade trade plans and then I'm going to go off and go out the next supervillain. And D-Man is just like, oh, thank fuck. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> And I love that. I, I kind of love D-Man because he's like, why am I here? <laughs> um, uh, so Vagabond is listening to a Walkman, again, peak 80s, uh, sitting in the truck. Uh, and um, uh, Armadillo finally catches up and it's like, I'm going to, you see the claw and that's all you see of that. Uh, meanwhile, um, Hyde and Cap are fighting on the truck. The truck goes over the edge, but Hyde and Cap jump off at the last minute. Uh, and so uh, very much kind of a strength versus skill fight here because Hyde is stronger. So he rips off the guardrail and uses it. But of course, Steve can block with his shield and, and punch in the right place. and use the shield to kind of clock him across the head. Uh, and so eventually gets the advantage of him. Um, Hyde's gets knocked over, is holding on to the guardrail, is about to fall over. And Steve is furious. He's like, because one subplot we didn't talk about at all is um, in the in the Avengers, Hyde beat Jarvis nearly to death. Yeah. And Steve still remembers that. Uh, so, I mean, this would have been a couple of years ago in real time, comic-wise. 
So in the, I think he mentioned it was a couple months ago in the comic itself. That right, scene where yeah. he sort of has a flashback. In, in Marvel Times, a couple months in terms of us reading it, been a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, so it's still relatively fresh, and it shows how much Steve cares about Jarvis. And so he's like, uh, um, it's like you have less than ten seconds for your weight pulls that guardrail. I want you to use that time to think about a good, decent man who you viciously injured, a man who will never walk again without a limp, who will never see out of one eye. Are you thinking about that? And then he saves him, Hyde. And it's a great parallel to the Vibro Nomad conflict because Steve is furious that he has to save Hyde. But he cannot not save Hyde. He's like, I made a vow. This is who I am. I need to do this. But boy, I wish you know he would fall. Whereas Nomad doesn't know who the heck Vibro is, and they're just happy to watch that guy fall to death. Um so uh, uh and again, uh D-Man, um he was left behind by by Falcon, so he's uh Titanium run by, and D-Man straight up hides from Titanium, just back to the wall behind a rock and just watch Titania run past him. And he straight up is like, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them that I chickened out. But it's the right call to make. <laughs> this woman clearly can throw you off a mountain. Let her go. <laughs> it's not what Peter Parker would do. That's true. But Peter, Peter Parker is in the hospital a lot. <laughs> Peter Parker fought and beat Fire Lord, who is a cosmic level... Mm hero villain servant of galactus depending on whose side you're on alone he peter parker did that peter bent his 10 tons i i will i will i will accept that i wish to offer into evidence the fact that peter parker also has lost a stiltman (laughs) (laughs) so i want the jury to consider that evidence as well (laughs) i'm just saying yeah i i I get it because but you're right it's more the point that this is not your point is valid. We don't see Marvel characters doing this, um, and it's not. D Man is being hard on himself, right? He's saying I feel like I'm being a coward. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Steve Rogers would take that view. Um, from all we know about the character, but also we as the readers don't see characters doing this. And again, it's not. Played for, he does say, it's the woman who threw me off off the cliff. But not like I'm hiding from a woman. It's just recognizing that is the person who did that to me. That's a powerhouse that beat me down. And you're right. Steve would have probably told him to stand down because Steve is also the person who told Vagabond since you don't have combat training, you're not going to, I'm not going to have you go fight supervillains. Right. Like that is a distinction. Right. Um, And then uh, Vagabond pulls up in the van. And we find out that she just talked Armadillo into giving up. So on the scoreboard, every hero except for D-Man did actually defeat the, the, the supervillain they were fighting. But Vagabond did it with the least collateral damage. <laughs> so take that into consideration. <laughs> um, but that's it. That, that, that's the whole issue. I mean, so that's why I said before, it's like there's not a lot to talk about in terms of plot because the plot ultimately is Steve has to deal with the consequences of what Tony Stark did in the Iron Man comic. That's really the plot is that all these villains escaped Captain America and his team end up cleaning up. But 
it is interesting, like you said, um, not only is a, 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 a viewpoint into these characters, but also um, as a contrast, I don't know how intentional it was. I suspect there's some intention on it, but not too much. But a contrast between how Tony is doing things as Iron Man now in Armor Wars and how Cap deals with things. Because Tony is basically by himself. He's got Rhodey, but that's basically it. He's more or less doing this on his own. And he is tearing through people. And then we see Cap doing this along with Nomad, and we see more commonality in Tony Stark and Nomad than we do Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. So while not a lot happens in terms of progressing the Armor War story forward, it is a good moment to step back and act as kind of a, 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 a refutation of what Tony's doing, which right, we've been also pretty hard on him. But the, the, even now, even the comics are going, so this is how heroes are supposed to act? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So, I mean, uh, as, as, a, as a Captain America fan, I mean, obviously, I don't think this would be an issue necessarily hand to someone and be like, this will get you into it. But I mean, what did you think about this issue? Are, the, are these characters being presented accurately? Is this a good kind of viewpoint into mid uh, Captain America run? Uh, I think it's a, a great viewpoint into Cap and everyone else. And while you're right, I wouldn't give this as someone's first issue of Cap. It presents all the strengths and weaknesses of all the characters very well. Mm -hmm. And you even get a glimpse in there's small character progression of themselves. Even we'll go back to D-Man and like D-Man's moment of realizing that he is not capable of doing something. That has been an, that was an ongoing sort of plot thread for that character that like, I'm new at this. I'm trying to figure things out. I'm glad to be here, but to finally come up to a real challenge and then at that choice point to not engage with it mm -hmm. becomes like indicative of that character. <clears throat> Sorry. And if memory serves, that choice is going to haunt D-Man for a while. Okay. It's been a while, so I don't remember. Um, I do remember that decades. he's not with the team much longer after this. And it was um, also nice because it instantly also conveys Cap and Sam's sort of teamwork and friendship for years. Like, they can't hear me over the bikes, but Cap knows how I operate. And like, that was it. That wasn't... Yeah, no, there was... A, um, I really got to respect Sam Wilson. I mean, I've always respected him as a character, but like in this moment... Um, because in the, 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 the few issues of the seventies run that I ran, he was very much kind of the Bucky character, right? He's new, he was inexperienced. And so Cap was teaching him, seeing him at this moment, being comfortable and acting as a mentor really to a lot of the other members of the team, uh, was a really cool way to kind of showcase that character. Um, and also just takes the load off of, of, of Steve Rogers, because right now he's going through a lot of his own stuff. So he's not as keyed into the team dynamics. And so, you know, having a character be able to say, hey, Supervillains broke out. Maybe we should deal with that. Is that you're really valuable. Uh, so what, that, that, that's, uh, that's it for issue 340. Um, do you have any more comments about this issue for wrap it up? Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, other than I'm still not a fan of Nomad in any iteration, be it Cap, be it Jack be it, I want to say, a mutant that later acquires a no-man identity in the 90s that runs around with a big gun and regenerative factor. Still don't like the identity. It was the 90s, man. A lot of stuff happened in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I'm with you. It, there, there's there's a reason why a lot of these characters are not remembered. Again, it, it's the, 
if you asked me six months ago which of these characters I want to see an MCU version of, Titania probably went on the top of the list, and now we do have one. Um, so that that's it's 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 nice to see that other people are seeing that that there's interesting potential for that character. Um, but honestly, I I think D Man as a supporting character might be interesting for some characters in the future. Having that kind of someone who looks at all of the things that are going on in the world and goes, I want to be like that, but I don't have a Tony Stark bankrolling me. I don't have an agency like shield behind me. I don't have the resources these characters do. And, you know, but still don't want to be just a blind guy punching people in hell's kitchen. You know, uh, I want something on that larger scale, but don't have the, quite the resource to do that. And we're seeing bits and pieces of that, like in uh, the Hawkeye show, for example, uh, uh, Kate Bishop. Again, even Kate Bishop has her own resources to bring to bear. So that's that. You get a glimpse of it in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where True. Sam doesn't have money to do things. So he has to take these other jobs and they still have to like get around the world. Mm. And it's not Sam that can afford to fly them. They have to make shady deals with their people to operate. That, that's a good point. That's actually a really good point. I, 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 don't, it didn't necessarily make that connection, but yeah, Sam's a very good example of that. But I, I think something like D-Man could be brought into as a, I suspect if he brought in, he'd be frankly a, a joke character, which is really easy to write for. I, I'm curious if they could, if they're going to consider bringing like D-Man into one of the Captain America movies. Because I think they're going to, I'm going to tangent a little bit since we're talking about Cap anyway, for the Captain America 4 with Sam, I think they're going to try to merge like the Hulk and Cap movies together. Okay. Which is why the villain, I think, is going to be the leader. Okay. The Captain America movie, and they have a She-Hulk coming up. So it would be interesting if Sharon's did with like her power broker formula, basically created a mm. D-Man, and yeah. that became like part of that mix, also. Right. That, that's why I'm, I'm thinking. If if you were in the Marvel universe and you didn't have superpowers, would you undergo the power broker treatment? No. You don't want base level super strength, toughness, and speed. <laughs> As a disabled person living in America, I have learned to distrust sketchy medical procedures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I had to ask, but no, it, it's a fair it's a fair question. I mean, I can see why that'd be an appealing option for for the average person. Like, hey, I want I just want to be safe in this strange new world. Give me something to to do this. Um, so yeah, I think that might be an interesting avenue to explore, um, and I think that. It, because so, like I said, so much is surprisingly coming from this specific run of Captain America. Uh, it's it's it'll be cool to see if they pull a little bit more from that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, if people wanted to talk to you about uh, what an amazing character Nomad is, where would they find you online? You could find me on my brand new Twitter account, Nomad Rocks, or you could <laughs> with an X. Yeah, <laughs> darker <laughs> underscore you on Twitter. What about you? You can find me at uh, on Twitter as Pugsteady. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. My website is Pugsteady.com. Or, or you can find me on the, the Darker Hue Discord, uh, posting all the uh, nomad pictures I can find. You know I'm going to do that, right? Too, as we get off this. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> what do um, people expect next time? Next time we're going to go back to Iron Man. Uh, we're going to read uh, Iron Man 229, and we're going to see kind of some more of the fallout between Iron Man and Captain America. So uh, that's issue two and nine, and we'll see you all next time. Peace.